welcome to the Rural Payments Agency's first ever podcast. I'm James Ryan and during 2022 we'll be bringing you a series of short podcasts to help farmers, landowners and rural communities keep up to date on developments at the RPA, offer support and guidance and navigate agricultural transition. In today's episode we'll reflect on 2021 and look forward to what's coming up in 2022. Later in the programme, we'll also have a special feature on well-being in rural communities, offering advice on where you can access help and support during these challenging times. So our first guest today is Sandy Capilla, Customer Director at the Rural Payments Agency. Sandy, it's great to have you with us today. Thanks, James. It's really great to be here. Sandy, 2021 was another challenging but groundbreaking year for RPA. What are your reflections James, I'm really proud of what we achieved across 2021. Um, We as an agency continue to play a really, really important role in developing and delivering the government's objectives which were set out in the Agricultural Transition Plan. Um, We've made a lot of progress uh, across 2020 and what was really great to see across 2021 is, is how closely we were working with DEFRA to support the delivery of the environmental land management schemes, which includes obviously the launch of the sustainable farming incentive pilot. And what was really lovely to see in that was we had over two and a half thousand expressions of interest in around 900 applicants. Right. And it's fair to say the sustainable farming incentive scheme was just one example of the RPA's work. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, It's a new scheme, but we've got a whole range of services uh, and schemes that we currently operate to the farming community. Um, For example, uh, we opened up the application window for 2022 countryside choice agreements uh, to allow farmers to apply funding to improve their local environment, um, which basically is restoring wildlife habitats, uh, creating woodlands and managing flood risk. Um, we've been really working closely with farmers and land managers to see how we could improve the scheme since we took it on in in 2018. And it's been really good to see, certainly last year, the increase in the uptake of applications that we received for the scheme. Fantastic. And can you update our listeners on the progress of the grant schemes delivered by RPA in 2021? Yeah, I mean, grant schemes are are a really important source of funding for uh, rural businesses across the country. Um, And actually what we saw in 2021 was uh, a really improved interest, uh, certainly for the new capital grant schemes that we opened, with over 3,000 applications received focused on uh, improving air quality, um, water quality, boundary trees, orchards, or a mixture of those type of uh, options. Um, another popular scheme that we've, we've, we ran was the Countryside Productivity Small Grant Scheme, which again provides um, investment towards specific items of equipment uh, focused on improving productivity and efficiency for farmers and horticultural businesses, which is, I think, a really important element as and when we move across the agricultural transition period. And essentially what we did, we released around £16 million worth of payments on uh, around 2,800 eligible claims. 
Thanks, Sandy. And I'd like to talk more about the performance of the schemes a, a little later. But December was a crucial time for RPA with, with a number of announcements. Yeah, uh, d- December is the culmination of a lot of work for the RPA uh, and is really, really important for farming communities. Um, we launched the Farming Investment Fund, uh, which included the Farming Equipment and Technology Fund and the Water Management theme of the Farming Transformation Fund. I think I can't stress the importance of productivity and how we as government can support farmers to improve their productivity in these challenging times. And it was really, really fantastic to see farmers will benefit from uh, investment in uh, to, to boost that productivity through a whole range of equipment that we've made available. Uh, we also opened up the sixth round of the popular uh, Countryside Stewardship Facilitation Fund in December. Now, uh, there is nothing more important for us than farmers uh, working together in a collaborative way, sharing their knowledge uh, in their communities to protect and enhance their local environments. And actually, that's really, really in line with uh, their local countryside stewardship priorities. Um, But actually, it's not all about just the land. Uh, We recognise, in particular, at the end of the year, uh, the the challenges that the pig pig industry were were facing. Um, And uh, we opened up or announced a a package of measures to support the pig industry, uh, which essentially focused on reducing uh, the animal welfare implications of uh, pigs backing up on farms. Uh, And this saw the launch of the Slaughter Incentive Payment Scheme, which basically focused on increasing the throughput of pigs by contributing towards the extra costs of operating for uh, slaughterhouses and abattoirs. Um, But actually, just that was one element of it. Uh, We also opened up a private storage aid scheme, which basically provided some uh, funding to cover the costs of cold storage for the, the products. And the RPA has a huge remit in terms of delivery, but but ultimately it will be judged on its performance. So can you give us some headline performance figures? Yeah, uh, when I speak to farmers uh, across the country, and we've done a a whole series of engagements, which I think we'll touch on in a moment, um, what's always surprising uh, for for people that I speak to is the breadth of services that we do. Um, And actually... a lot of the focus tends to be on the land schemes that we end up uh, paying out in, in December. So to give you a, a context uh, on um, our land schemes, we paid uh, in December just under 101,300 claims, which is essentially uh, uh, investing uh, 1.8 billion into the farming community. Uh, and actually that's within the first month of the payment window, which runs between December and June. Uh, and that investment uh, isn't just a direct investment. We've seen it firsthand how that payment then trickles down throughout the, the supply chain. Um, but to set it into context, that basically represents uh, just over 98% of eligible claims for the basic payment scheme, uh, around 62% of countryside stewardship revenue claims and around 64% of environmental stewardship claims for 2021. But in addition, 
Uh, one of the key things that we also fund is capital works under the country stewardship capital grant scheme. Uh, and across 2021, we uh, reimbursed £66.75 million for essentially the establishment and maintenance of woodland and hedges. Um, and that was essentially around about 5,700 projects, as I will call it. And since we took on the scheme in 2018, we've reduced the amount of time where we've paid those particular claims. And actually, it was really pleasing to see that most of them were paid within an average of 30 working days. That's that's really a strong top-line performance, Sandy. But many farmers, landowners and rural communities rely on these payments, but there can be a delay in payments. So why is this? So I think we know the importance of cash flow to the rural economy. Um, And while the payment window runs between December and June every year, we always aim to pay as promptly as we can. Uh, Essentially, if the claim is ready, James, we'll pay it. But, But why does it take longer to pay some claims? So it can take longer to complete uh, our checks for some claims and there are a number of reasons for this additional time. Um, For example, the allocation of common land can be quite a complex process. Uh, Essentially what we do with common land is we allocate the available area to those claiming on the common. Uh, Sometimes the outcome of inspections can take a little time for us to consider and establish the impact on a claim or an agreement. Uh, and And in some cases we can't progress claims because they are reliant on the completion of legal work, such as probate. Uh, And actually some just take time because of their size. Thanks, Sandy. And I'm keen to explore the countryside stewardship scheme further. So can you remind us of its purpose and and how it's evolved over the last 12 months? Yeah, of course. Um, Countryside stewardship, uh, as I said earlier, uh, farmers can uh, apply for funding to improve their local environment. And I mentioned it before, um, that's restoring wildlife habitats, creating woodlands, managing flood risk, um, and actually really focus on that environmental ambition. Um, But actually, we recognise that we, we as an organisation, want to uh, listen, learn and do better. So we've been closely working with the industry. Changes have been made to the scheme to broaden out the options available and make it easier to apply. And and how did the changes reflect in, in the numbers? Yeah, uh, it was really great to see that we received uh, a 40% increase in the number of applications uh, in comparison to the previous year, so 2020. Um, So essentially there are now 40,000 farmers in England uh, participating in an agri-environment scheme. Thanks, Andy. So what are your final reflections on 2021 and, and what are your hopes for 2022? So I think we've continued to improve our services uh, focused on helping farmers deliver the best outcomes that they can. Uh, We've worked hard to get payments uh, made as quickly as possible in recognition of the importance of cash flow uh, for farming businesses and and actually will continue to do so. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, we're constantly looking to learn, uh, listen and uh, do better. Uh, And in 2021, a good example of that listening is we attended a a record number of uh, shows and events across the country. Um, that two-way engagement with our with our farmers is incredibly important. Um, and I'll just give you a good example of uh, we did uh, an MP roundtable uh, in uh, Cumbria 
at the beginning of November and we had a new member of staff that had just joined. Literally, it was his fourth week within the business. Um, and actually, it was really great to hear from him last week. And he said to me, Sandy, I was so pleased to be able to come along to an event like that and hear uh, farmers talk about their experiences and actually what that's meant for me in particular now I'm working on something I realise there's a farmer at the end of the work that I do and I think that's incredibly important so that level of connection that we need to build with farming communities focused on uh, our need to build different relationships with farmers I think will be incredibly important 2022 and beyond is going to be a really challenging time for for farmers and our role uh, as the RPA is to help farmers through this transition period and provide them with the best information to help them secure their future. Um, We have great people in the RPA who are really genuinely committed to what they do. Most of them live in the areas that they serve. Many of them uh, are have farming in their their background they're either married to farmers their their children are farming um, and that's really really that passion is really great to see across all of the services that we operate and um, so essentially we are all geared up and focused now on delivering better outcomes for farmers but working in partnership with farmers across 2022. Thanks, Sandy. That's great to hear. And and thank you again for joining us today. Next, we'll be looking forward to the year ahead. Thanks again to Sandy for his reflections on 2021. And as Sandy highlighted, 2022 is shaping up to be another crucial year for farming communities. So I'm delighted to say I'm now joined by Katie Yon, Senior Stakeholder Manager and Shows and Events Lead at the RPA to discuss exactly what this year holds. Katie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, James. And Katie, what can farmers in rural communities expect to see delivered in 2022? 2022 will be an important and pivotal year, both for farming communities and the RPA, as well as the basic payment scheme, countryside stewardship and environmental stewardship schemes. There will be a further update relating to the environment, environmental land management schemes and the farming investment fund. Yeah, because there were announcements at the end of last year and the beginning of this year focused on the environmental land management schemes. So could you summarise the updates for our listeners, please? Yes, of course. In January this year, the Secretary of State unveiled the next stages of the plan to reward farmers and landowners for actions which benefit the environment and support sustainable food production, alongside vital nature recovery and work towards net zero. The Secretary of State unveiled details of two of the environmental land management schemes, local nature recovery and landscape recovery and this followed the sustainable farming incentive scheme which was announced in December. Great and and what will these three schemes deliver? Well the sustainable farming incentive focuses on making agricultural activities more sustainable. It will pay for actions that all farmers can choose to take and the scheme will pay for actions that can be taken at scale across the whole farmed landscape to have the most impact. This includes reducing inorganic fertiliser and pesticide use, taking care of our soils and improving farmland biodiversity, water quality, 
air quality and carbon capture. The Local Nature Recovery Scheme is the more ambitious successor to Countryside Stewardship and is planned to be rolled out by the end of 2024. It will pay for the right things in the right places and supporting local collaboration to make space for nature in the farm landscape. This scheme will particularly contribute to our targets for trees, peatland restoration, habitat creation and restoration and natural flood management. And then finally, the landscape recovery is a hugely exciting opportunity for farmers and land managers who want to take a, a more radical and large scale approach to producing environmental and climate outcomes through land use change and habitat and ecosystem restoration. The first round of the landscape recovery pilot projects is now open and it closes on Tuesday the 24th of May this year. The first round focuses on two themes, recovering and restoring England's threatened native species and restoring England's streams and rivers. And there is more information on the gov.uk website. Thanks, Katie. And you mentioned that local nature recovery is the successor to countryside stewardship. So what does this mean for farmers? Well, while the new schemes are rolling out, existing schemes will continue to be available for some time, with the last applications for new countryside stewardship agreements in 2023 to start in 2024. And then from 2025, it will only be possible to enter into new agreements through the new environmental land management schemes. So what does this look like and and when will we know more? Um, Local nature recovery will provide a range of options, much like countryside stewardship, so that farmers can choose the right combinations for their setting and preferences. DEFRA will publish more details on the full list of options later this year, alongside more details on scheme rules and proposed payment rates. But countryside stewardship is a solid option for now, and farmers really should regard the scheme as a bridge to local nature recovery. Um, As Sandy mentioned earlier, last year we saw a 40% increase in demand and applications for countryside stewardship, which for us is really encouraging. Yeah, that that sounds very positive. And and the 2022 timescales for countryside stewardship, are they in line with previous years? Uh, They are, James, yes. So applications for countryside stewardship opened at the beginning of February. Um, the basic payment scheme application window and the countryside stewardship and environmental stewardship claim windows will be opening in March. Great. And finally, I'd just like to touch on the Farming Investment Fund. So our listeners received updates on some schemes during 2021. But what's the latest and, and what can we expect in 2022? Uh, your listeners may recall the RPA launched the Farming Investment Fund in December. Um, So this is made up of two separate funds, the Farming Equipment and Technology Fund and the Farming Transformation Fund. In January, we opened applications for the Improving Farm Productivity theme. So the minimum grant a farmer can claim is £35,000 and the maximum grant available under the theme is £500,000 per applicant. So these grants are paid in arrears and at least 60% of the project costs need to be paid for through private sources like savings or a bank loan. And and what can the grants be used for? Well, the grants awarded through the Improving Farm Productivity will pay for capital items to improve farm and horticultural productivity. 
This can be through the use of robotic or autonomous equipment and systems to aid crop and livestock production, um, the installation of slurry acidification equipment to improve nutrient management and reduce ammonia emissions. There's, there's certainly a lot happening in 2022 and, and we'll keep you updated on developments here on the RPA podcast. Katie, thanks for your time today and we'll look forward to hearing further updates during the year ahead. The last two years have been incredibly difficult for everyone, but farming communities consistently face a unique set of challenges, and discussing the importance of resilience and the support available within the sector has never been more important. I'm now joined by Carrie Smith, External Affairs Manager at the RPA, to discuss the support available to farmers and farming communities. Carrie, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks James, it's a pleasure to be here. So we we often talk about resilience, but why is it so important to have this discussion in the context of farming and farming communities? Well, rural mental health is a really important topic. Um, We know that stress is a real concern in the industry and that there are many factors which contribute to this, um, some of which are linked to agricultural transition and uncertainty over the future of farming. Um, At the RPA, we're taking this seriously. Um, We're looking at what we can do to support farmers. Um, Some of this is practical and some of it is more about how we communicate. That's fantastic to hear. This is a focus for RPA. So what are RPA doing to to actually help their customers? Um, Well, in practical terms, the changes to how we approach inspections for domestic agreements um, will make our interactions more open. Um, The chance for farmers to respond to findings earlier, getting rid of penalties, um, that kind of thing should reduce some of the anxieties around regulation and compliance. Um, We know the COVID-19 pandemic has had a huge impact on farmers and that the knock-on effects continue to be a cause of stress. So we're continuing to review our processes ahead of the opening of the BPS application and countryside stewardship and environmental stewardship claim window um, to make sure we've got support in place so that no one is disadvantaged. And you, you mentioned this isn't just about what you're doing, but also how you communicate. Yes, um, we're always looking at our communication, so uh, we can expect to see more videos, podcasts and direct customer contact, all with a view to setting out options as clearly as we can um, and encouraging farmers to plan for the future. I'm sure that will be welcomed by our listeners. And you also work with a number of organisations who offer wellbeing services. So can you give us some examples and, and outline how our listeners can contact them? Of course. Um, Yeah, we do. We work with some great organisations who support farmers. Um, So through the Royal Agricultural Benevolence Institution, or RABI, uh, members of farming communities across England and Wales can access a new, uh, completely free counselling service. Um, You can access that through a free 24-7 confidential helpline. Um, They'll put you in touch with a counsellor within 24 hours um, without the need for any kind of clinical referral. Um, And ultimately, they know that talking to someone who understands the challenges and the pressures of farming um, can really help. Um, That support's available over the phone, via video or in person. Oh, that sounds an incredibly helpful service. And what's the helpline telephone number? Oh, yeah, it's uh, 0800 188 44. Um, oh, and you can also email them, um, which is help at rabi.org.uk. Thanks, Carrie. And I believe the Farming Community Network also have an established helpline. Please, can you tell us more about that? 
Uh, yes, they do. Uh, Farming Community Network, FCN, uh, run a confidential national helpline um, and an e-helpline, uh, which is open every day of the year from 7am to 11pm. Um, volunteers there provide free, confidential, pastoral and practical support um, to anyone that seeks help, um, including those experiencing stress, depression or isolation. Um, and again, speaking to someone who understands can make a real difference. Um, so we would encourage anyone who needs to, to reach out either to us or to one of those organisations. Great. And, and what's the Farming Community Network's helpline number? It is 03000 Great. Thank you, Carrie. That was incredibly helpful. And I'm sure we'll revisit this important subject in future podcasts. So that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to say a big thank you to Sandy, Katie and Carrie for their insights today. And thank you for listening. If you would like us to cover a particular topic with our subject experts, please do get in touch. You can email us at external.affairs at rpa.gov.uk or you can follow us on Twitter at Rural Pay or follow the Rural Payments Agency on Facebook. We'll be back soon with a brand new podcast as we keep you updated on developments at the RPA and support you through the agricultural transition process. Goodbye. Goodbye.